if one person is happy in their comfort zone, but their comfort zone causes everybody else to be miserable, that's not a good setup. Hi, friend. Welcome to Gather and Growth, a show created for passionate, growth-focused, rural women like you. From mindset work and building strong habits to exploring the unique joys and challenges of living rural, this is a show to leave you feeling joyful, inspired, and a little less alone. Together, we're on a journey of reaching for the most confident, healthy, and authentic version of ourselves, and I'm forever grateful to have you by my side. Whether you're currently running on a back road, shuffling kids to town, hopping along for a tractor ride, or three loads deep into folding laundry, grab yourself a nice coffee and let's dive in. Hi friends, welcome back to A Gather in Growth. Today I am joined by Brandy Buzzard and we are ready to have a conversation that I think is going to go a lot of different directions in all of the best ways possible. So you are in for a real treat. Brandy, thank you so much for being here. Well, thank you for having me. I am really excited. Like I said, I fangirled about you for like several months now. And so I was so excited when you asked me to come on and yeah, I'm excited to be here. Brandy, for someone getting to know you for the very first time, would you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you live, and what brought you to today? I live in Southeast Kansas. I have lived in Kansas almost my entire life, except for a short one-year stint in Australia. My husband and I have a ranch here in Southeast Kansas. We raise purebred Gelvy and Balancer cattle, and we sell seed stock. We have two daughters, Oakley and Quincy. Quincy like Illinois, which is, you said that was near where you lived. I was like, oh, that's fun. And so how I got here is I'm currently self-employed. I'm an independent contractor, public relations in terms I do public speaking and influencer partnerships, a lot of freelance writing, consulting, things of that nature. I have a video series on Acres TV. I have a whole lot of irons in the fire in that respect. Before that, I had a 10-ish year career in, you know, what you would call like corporate agriculture in the beef industry. So I've worked for agencies and organizations like the Beef Cattle Institute and K-State Research and Extension out of Kansas State University. I did almost five years at the National Cabins Beef Association. And most recently, I was the director of communications at Red Angus Association of America. So kind of really done a lot, gone from corporate to nonprofit and things of that nature and have learned a lot in those settings and but decided it was time for me to be able to focus more on the things that are nearest and dearest to my heart. And that is my daughters and our ranch and rodeoing. And so I went part time. And I love working for myself, but as there are a lot of ins and outs and intricacies and things to learn about managing your own time. And so I have an online presence and that's how I found you and have fangirled over you for a while. And that's how we got, I guess that's how we got to today. Well, that's what my follow-up question was going to be like, did you always see yourself in the realm of entrepreneurship or doing the type of communications you are or Like, how did you find that trajectory and inevitably make that leap? Because I know a lot of women in this community are considering what transitions look like for them, whether it is from corporate to something else, or whether it is career to stay-at-home mom or entrepreneur, sharing online, whatever that looks like. So if you wouldn't mind to walk us through a little bit about what that process looked like on your end, I think a lot of people would resonate with it. Yeah, of course. I really struggle with calling myself an entrepreneur and I don't have an outward projection of that on anyone else. But like, I personally don't feel like an entrepreneur because I don't manage employees or payroll or like, it's just me like 
yeah, that sounds like an exciting opportunity. Let's do it. And I don't know, I struggle, like I have a bit of a confidence issue with calling myself an entrepreneur, but no, I never imagined or envisioned this life for myself. Before I was self-employed, I worked in PR and communications, specifically in the beef industry. I do not have a communications or ag communications or journalism degree of any kind. I got started in like the advocacy thing in 20 and like aught nine and, you know, have bought AP style books and taught myself I'm, I'm would be better improved if I had a journalism degree. I would be a better writer and a better communicator, but I have self-taught and got to where I am. And then through my blog and like having a Facebook page with that, I just learned more and just kind of discovered that I really am passionate about like agriculture issues and animal behavior and welfare. My master's is in animal behavior and welfare, but also how those intersect with like sustainability and communications and science communications. And that's really kind of like where I got on this trajectory of being a communications coordinator for K-State Research and Extension and then like crisis communications with NCBA and then the director of communications with Red Angus. And I'm still the editor of the Red Angus magazine there. So I still get that kind of PR and communications experience. But my original plan was to once I got 10 or 15 years into my career was to like leave the career and just work full time on the ranch. And so be field with running a cattle operation and then that kind of be it and raising and taking care of kids. And so I reached that mile point a bit early. Like I did, I'm right at 10 years ish where I left full time, but I'm not doing full time ranch work. We do have a herdsman here who does who does so much for us and we would not be able to have our operation if it wasn't for him. But on the other hand, I didn't realize I would have this content creation stream and the work that I love doing. And I still love working in public relations on a contract basis and video creation and, and all these things. I didn't see that coming and I don't want to give that up. Just, I don't want to leave that behind and then focus all my time on the ranch, specifically production wise. So this is a nice blend of what I originally wanted and then what was brought on the path, you know, the least travel path. I think that's Ralph Waldo Emerson, I think. So yeah, I didn't exactly envision it this way, but the plan was to never be, for me to be, in my mind, my, my goal was never to be like working any type of professional ag or corporate ag job for like 35 years. Yeah. I love hearing people's stories of how they get from where they were to where they thought they were going to be to where they inevitably end up. Because I think we put so much pressure on teens and young adults to get the whatever major and get the best job and do this and have it all figured out and stay there forever. And the more people I talk to, I just am fascinated by how every piece along the journey ultimately brings you closer to where you're meant to be. Yeah. I love hearing that a lot of the circles that you and I both run in are women in agriculture or female entrepreneurs who are in a professional setting or a corporate setting or for you as an educational setting. We're in that and then have gotten to this point. I feel like there's been a shift from, and I don't mean this in any negative way to anybody listening, so please put that disclaimer out there, but there's been a shift from achieve all the things, climb the ladder, tackle it all, and it's like it's coming back a little bit towards, I'm, I'm still a mom. Like I still want to, I don't feel pressured to spend time with my kids. My husband does not expect me to take care of our children and that be my only vocation. He's extremely supportive of, of all the goals I have. And, but like, I just don't want to climb the corporate ladder anymore. And I feel at least for our generation, I think that we're pretty much, we're pretty close to the same age. I watched my mom do it all. She had a career 
and she still has a career and she had kids and she pursued her passion of rodeo and she did it all. And I feel like our moms showed us like how to do it all. And so we were like, oh, we can do it. And then now we're doing, I'm like, oh, I don't like this. Like I want, I want more time with my kids. And so I think it's just, maybe we're swinging back, whether that's good or bad. I don't know. I think it, it's good or bad, depending on what fits a certain person's desires and, and own situations. But it's just interesting because I feel like you and I have similar stories. So a lot of people, you know, run around with online. Well, yeah, I think in general, and I think COVID was a really big piece of this, is it just showed us like, where are your priorities and where do you want to spend your time? And for some people, I think that meant like really pour gasoline on their passions and be able to jump in and pursue what was really on their heart. Or maybe for some people it was coming home and being more intentional with family. But I think in general, it just the past decade or so has been this collective wake up call of, you know, I've checked all of the boxes. I've done all of these things. I've had all of the success that someone said was going to be the ticket to happiness. And yet there's some part of it that's unfulfilling and just not quite what I wanted. And so whatever direction that takes people, I think it's been very encouraging over the past couple of years to just see women specifically, because that's the demographic I primarily work with, ask themselves, like, what do I really want? And what does it look like to build life with intentionality and purpose? And that's obviously going to look different for everyone listening. But you bring up this other thing that I would love to know if someone has researched this is like a much bigger economic question. I think I've brought this up on the podcast. I cannot remember what episode. So if anyone wants to tag me on Instagram and tell me the last time I talked about this. But, you know, if you think about society, I'm making mass generalizations here. Like we, as people, I'm talking like generations long before we were born, you know, everyone kind of had this like specific role that they played, whether they were like the farmer or the blacksmith or the shopkeeper or whatever. Everyone kind of like had these niched roles and everyone was so interdependent upon each other to function. And then like, obviously as the industrial revolution and corporate and blah, 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 it's like, we've like siloed out into these corporate spaces and what I see in so many people that I work with is almost like them coming back to what really lights them up and what their unique gift is and then how they can like offer that to the world and like really creating these, again, micro niches that depend on each other. Like even just thinking about in my business, I have a podcast manager who is a ranch mom in Kansas. I've worked with a copywriter who is a small town mom. Like I have all of these different people that I have collaborated with in doing what I love. I'm sure that someone has defined this in some way, but we're going back to or recreating what it looks like to build a different kind of economy in so many ways. Yeah. I think I've never really thought about it that way, but I think you're really onto something there because when I was coming up through like high school and stuff, I remember trying to decide what major I was going to do and stuff like that. And someone had told me, I don't remember if it was a recruiter or someone that came to the high school or something that's like a career counselor. I have no idea. But I remember them saying like, you may work in a job later in your career that isn't even around right now. And I think that's where we're at right now with some of the things you're talking about is 20 years ago. I don't know when the first podcast came out, but 30 years ago went in, let's see, like I'm 37. So in 1993, we didn't have podcasts. Like, so there wasn't a, a niche that needed to be filled. So I think just with the development of online culture and 
social networks and how we consume media and news and ideas and our need for entertainment, things like that. Because there are so many new things like that has created a lot of need for people to fill those skill-based roles that wasn't there like 30 years ago. So I think that's the reason why the workforce now does not look the same for our parents. What they entered into or like what our grand, definitely not what our grandparents entered into. Gosh, even just like within the past five and 10 years, how much has shifted. As we move forward, I think there will be an even greater need for like having an awareness on what you want to be spending your time doing, whether you are in a more corporate environment. I use the word corporate very loosely. I was a teacher. I worked in the nonprofit space, whatever. But even those types of environments are seeing the need to evolve and shift. And I think we're really going to be at the forefront of determining what that looks like, because as you and I were talking about before we started recording, like having awareness of how much we want our kids to be in daycare versus what work days look like. And do I want the flexibility to go out and ride or go on a walk or whatever? Even these spaces, like whether or not you're an entrepreneur or self-employed or whatnot, I think the workforce is going to have to adapt to a whole new generation of people who aren't willing to just show up and grind unceremoniously. Like there's a collective awakening that I see of like, wait, no, like there is more to life than just like showing up to this job that I actually don't want to be at anymore. Oh, 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 happy holidays. Okay, that was lame. But you know what's not lame? Nurturing your physical, mental, and emotional health throughout the holiday season. You heard me right. You don't have to wait until January 1st to build habits that make you feel your best. I'm all for setting goals and being intentional, but New Year's resolutions have way too much hype and honestly rarely stick around. In my opinion, it's equally important to nurture your body and spirit during this time of year, which is why I invite you to participate in my personalized habit challenge, You Do You 82, or it's Baby Sister Challenge, You Do You 32. They're both totally free and anyone can start anytime. In each of these challenges, you'll choose six habits to intentionally build or break through the lens of progress over perfection. During a season where you're busy thinking about what to gift everyone else, I invite you to give yourself the gift of health and intentionality in whatever that means for you. Go ahead and check out youdoyou82.com or click the links in today's show notes to get started. Yeah. And I obviously can't speak for the roles that you were in that you shared with me earlier, but I enjoyed the work that I did in nonprofit ag, corporate ag, whatever you want to call it. I enjoyed that, but I enjoy like rolling on the floor with my toddler. I enjoy doing that more. And I think we're seeing this like hustle culture, which I'm no stranger to hard work. And I have lots of ideas that I want to pursue. And I read a quote somewhere that was like, entrepreneurs would rather work 80 hours for themselves than 40 hours for somewhere else. And I embody and appreciate that because if I got down to it, the number of hours I work after I go to bed, like it's probably more than 40, it's closer to that 80 number. But hustle culture in quotes really seems to be like diminishing because people like you said, especially after the pandemic, people are like, wow, it was like a life and death wake up call. I could become part of an epidemic and not wake up tomorrow or something. 
I think that you're onto something there with people are coming up to that. And also I, I see a lot of quotes on Instagram and Facebook, just as the nature of the work I do. But if you retire, like they're going to fill your position a month later. Like you're not irreplaceable at home. You're replaceable at work. You're not replaceable at home. And so that really struck a chord with me. And I wish I would have been in a position or had this realization when my six-year-old was younger. I wish I had been in the position financially and the right mindset, whatever you want to say it, because so I could have done more of that with her because she was really fun when she was a three-year-old and I missed out on some of that. She's really fun anyway. But I think that you're right. The culture is really changing. Not only when we see people don't want to grind for 40 hours a week so they can take their 10 days vacation every year, but also like the work setting, like we don't want to go work in an office. Why can't I work at my house? Like it's, we really are seeing a change in the way the workforce is composed. Right. Well, I think even in my business, like the idea of what success or productivity and achievement has totally shifted from when I've started. Like when I started, it was like balls to the walls. I'm going to go after this. I want to do this. I want to do this. And I just, and I look back and I'm really proud of the work that I put in and what I created. But I think back to my first summer in business. So this was almost a year from going full time. And it's like, I was doing so much so fast that I didn't have the capacity to even step back and enjoy summer, which is my favorite time. And so that was a really big wake up call of like, what am I trying to prove? What am I trying to do here? Am I trying to do what I love? Am I trying to do it to look a certain way? Am I trying to do it to, if I do this, then I'll be enough. If I do this, then they'll love me. And so that's inevitably what spiraled me out into long overdue therapy, which is a whole nother conversation that has been had plenty of times on this show. But, you know, it was just like, what does it look like to untangle this achievement addiction that I think so many people that I know struggle with is like this constant need for productivity, constant need for approving ourselves, constant need for got to get the A plus, got to be the gold star, got to do the best, can't make any mistakes, can't do anything wrong or else like it's all going to fall apart. There's something that I've noticed throughout the course of this year is that there is this push or this thing on social media that I very much have been a part of in the past of like, go after the thing, do the thing, build the dreams, go after it, go after your goals, which I still wholeheartedly believe in, but I see so much more nuance to it now and how that messaging has become so overwhelming and anxiety inducing in women who are already drowning. It's like, I already feel like I'm not doing enough at home. I'm not keeping up on the farm. I'm not keeping up my job. And now you tell me I need to like go and do more. And so it's really given me a different perspective of what does it look like to really set intentional goals that are aligned with the life that you want to live, not create more just for the sake of having more. What does more actually mean? Is it more peace? Is it more space? Is it more freedom? Is it more money? Is it more accolades? But like, if you haven't clearly defined what you want an average day to look like and your goals don't match with that reality, then we're just in this constant hamster wheel of trying to prove ourselves and for what? Yeah, you said something there about what does a successful day look like if you're gonna do something. And I'm looking something up on my phone because I saved this post a long time ago because this summer I was very fortunate. I had a lot of opportunities and I took on a lot of work and I took on a lot of speaking opportunities and I loved that. And I didn't do a great job of quote unquote balancing time that I wanted to spend with my family or rodeoing. And now I'm frustrated that I can't find it, but it was like 
spend three hours a day on the thing that's the most important to you in terms of work. If that's being an online creator or if that's rodeo or if that's farming and you're going to spend more than three hours a day probably. But like you get the point of spending three hours on the things that has the biggest calling to you. I really wish that I could find this because I'm scrolling and I can't find it. But that just really resonated with me because this summer I didn't spend three hours a day rodeoing and I didn't always spend three hours a day with my kid. And and so I think that, like you said, there's some nuance. To it. It's not just like three hours and all your dreams come true or something like that. There's some nuance for specific instances and like how you incorporate it. But thinking about that and then how I spent my summer has really prepared me going into this like November, December holiday time when I want to be doing a lot of work in November, December. I want to be spending time with my kids and doing fall things and Christmassy things. And then, so I've really intentionally like slowed down and not really taken on a lot of new work in November and December. So I can do that and be intentional and spend more time with my horses and like in the down season, getting geared up, you know, practicing more and stuff like that. And I'm trying to keep that in mind as I look at like, you know, speaking requests are coming in for the coming 2024. And I'm so I'm, I'm looking at these dates and I'm like, don't make it so you aren't able to go do the thing that you left full time for in the first place. So I have a question for you. Yeah. How do you feel like this relates to farm families? Because there is such a pride in agriculture for being a hard worker, which I think is honorable and good and well. But I also see so many situations where it's of detriment to the people we care about the most and ultimately like the intergenerational legacy of the operation. So how do you think that translates like this hustle, misalignment and how you're spending your time? My personal opinion, and not everybody will like this and that is okay, is that there are too many people in the farming and ranching lifestyle who prioritize the farm and ranch over their family. I see that a lot in some Facebook groups that are like discussion groups for women in agriculture or farmer ranch wives in agriculture, things of that nature. I see a, a post where a particular spouse is like, how do I make my spouse pay attention to this? And this person never wants to leave the farmer ranch and doesn't have time to go do kids basketball games and never wants to go on vacation. So there's a saying I heard a long time ago, a friend of mine told it to me that like, your family will visit you in the hospital or in the long-term care facility when you're 95 and can't get around. The cows are not coming to visit you. The corn harvest is not coming to visit you. So stop prioritizing your farm ground. And I'm not discrediting the legacy and pride that comes with having a ranch or a farm. And there's a lot of pride that goes into food production and quote unquote feeding the world and a multi-generational farm or ranch or one that's been in your family for 200 years. There's a lot of pride in that. And I understand that. However, if you run off your family members because you never prioritize them higher than the farm or ranch ever. And uh, I think it, it's very sad to see those situations because I'm a really, I'm an empath. I feel so like I've just, I've become really empathetic in the past four or five years. And I see that. And my first thought is, why are you sticking in that situation when you clearly are so unhappy? And this doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman, like why are you staying in a situation where you're not being treated well? On the other hand, why are we putting this mindset of work, 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 the ground is important, the cows are important, the sheep, the pigs, the harvest, like why are we sowing that? And I don't mean so as a pun, but like why are we sowing that mindset into people that 
they are alienating their family for the sake of a farm and ranch. And I don't farm. We don't farm. We have like six acres of farm ground that we own. The most we've ever planted of anything is like 30 acres of forage sorghum. And we hire someone to plant it and we hire someone to chop it. So like we're not really involved in farming that much. So I cannot speak to the deep-seated feelings that come being the third or fourth generation on a farm. I can speak to the fact of being married to, and I say this with all the love in the world, being married to a workaholic who, an Enneagram 3, who like has to feel like he has to be achieving. And my husband works so insanely hard for our family, and I love that about him. And he wants us to be in good positions. He's very good at what he does. He's a very good rancher and genetic manager really great at feeding cat. Like I can't think of something that he's not good at in terms of like agriculture, but it's been like, we've, we have kids now and that's been a really like a conversation we've had to have. Like we have kids now, like you're, you can't be gone the whole weekend with the cows or doing parts, all this stuff and like never see your kids and your wife. That is personally not going to work for me. So we have to figure this out and make some changes. And so Thankfully, he is open-minded. I don't know why that should be. I should be thankful for that. Like humans should be open-minded in general. But yeah, we've had conversations about that and it's swung back the way like where you would want it to be. And Ron Rabo, he's from Wyoming. He's a Wyoming farmer and he's a public speaker and he has a lot of online courses and he's written books and things like that. He speaks a lot about how, I wish I knew this exact quote. I heard him at the National Red Angus Convention a few months ago. He speaks a lot about like the farm is not the farm. It is the people that make it up. And if you aren't taking care of the people, you can't take care of the farm. Right. Well, and so many people will say like, oh, faith, family, farm, faith, family, farm. But at the end of the day, it's like farm, 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 family, faith. Yeah. And so it goes back to that, like, is the way you're spending your time in alignment with your priorities? Like, My husband and I had very similar conversations because we came back to the farm and he was trying to get us established and really wanted to prove himself again for what. But I know that during harvest, there's stuff that needs to get done in a timely manner. And that is not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about planting or harvest, whatever. But I remember the summer after my son was born, it was like the middle of summer. So it's not even dark until 930 at night. And he was still coming home after dark. And I'm like, no. I did not sign up for this. I love you. I'm so proud to be a part of this farm and this intergenerational legacy. Like I'm fully bought in, but you did not plop me up and move me to the middle of nowhere for me to be alone all of the time. I could be a single mom if I wanted to, and I don't want to. Thank you very much. And so, you know, that started years worth of hard conversations on what is priority? Like, how are we spending our time? How do we want this to look like for us? And in a lot of families, that's so hard because you're really choosing to do things differently than the generation before you. And there has to be a level of open-mindedness and communication and being firm in your belief and also auditing why you're doing certain things in the first place. Left to our own devices, the farm to-do list literally never ends. I have never met a farmer that's, yep, got literally everything done that's ever needed to be done. I'm good for today. Like, That's just not a reality. And so if your operation is so consuming that you are always working, maybe there's some things that need to change. Like 
at the end of the day, a farm is a business. And in any business, if something's not working, you sit down and evaluate, like, how could we be doing things differently? And maybe there's some changes. Maybe we don't need to do this. Maybe we could hire this out. Maybe maybe the cows aren't worth the time, effort, energy, and money. Maybe we need to downsize. And I'm not imposing what I think anyone should or shouldn't do. I'm just saying going through that process of inventorying and actually asking ourselves, because one of the most dangerous things that we can do as a species is say, I don't know. It's just the way we always did it. Oh my gosh. That's what my dad did. That's what my grandpa did. It's working and it's it's not working because it's not working for our families. So figure it out and get home. Yeah. So two things you said there just really resonate. So you said, this is the way we've always done it. And that are like the most dangerous words in agriculture. This is the way we've always done it. Things change. Markets change. Technology changes. Like you have to change. And the other thing is you said it's working. If you have, let's just say just for the sake of examples, we have like your average farm family, like a husband, a wife, and a couple of kids. If it's only working for the farmer in this situation and not his wife, whether she, you call her a farmer or farm wife, whatever you want to call her. If it's only working for him, it's not working for the family. If it only works for him and he's super happy with the way it is, everybody else is unhappy. That isn't working. That is a pardon me for saying this, that's just a very selfish standpoint to take or selfish stance to have. Oh, it works for me. I'm sorry, it doesn't work for you. Deal with it. I see that a lot in some of those groups. This is like, it's. A, I'm going to say it's a woman because it's a women in ag group or something like that. But like this woman is like, I didn't come from a farming situation or a background and like, I didn't know. It was like, and it's not fair for someone to expect another person to deal with it when they didn't know what they were getting into. Or even if they did, the number of comments that are like, yep, welcome to farming. This is your life now. I'm like, it doesn't have to be. It does not have to be. Oh, that makes me so mad. It doesn't have to be like that. And so I didn't come from a production ag standpoint. I came from what you would call a hobby ranch. Like I grew up rodeoing my entire life. We had 4-H animals. We always had some roping cattle, but like my dad was very, like still works in agriculture. My mom was the one who was like, she was a teacher for a long time and she now she works in educational technology. But like we were in agriculture, but I didn't grow up knowing what the ins and outs of a seed stock cattle operation were or like, like I have no idea. So it's not fair for one partner to say, you knew this was going to be like, deal with it when the other partner literally didn't know because they didn't come from that. My heart aches for some people who are like, they're in these situations and they unfortunately are with someone who has no interest in changing or even being open to change in order to make their partner happy or be more with their kids or whatever it is. And like what a depressing and hopeless situation that must feel like. And I'm so thank God I am not in a situation like that. But it just breaks my heart for some people because I know like when my husband first started his job, he was like, so he manages the US arm of an international swine technology company. And he started as like the only US person. And he's now built it phenomenally to lots of employees. And he like oversees them all. And he's like I said, he's very successful. He's really good at what he does. He's a very hard worker. and He's very, very, very intelligent. And I love him dearly. But when he first started, he was gone all the time. And I remember like his paternity leave when we had our first daughter, he didn't travel for that time, but he still worked from home and like didn't see him that much because he'd be like working in his office. And I'm like, we're supposed to be on paternity leave. And then after his six weeks of traveling were done, he like 
went right back to traveling like three or four nights a week. And I'm like, this isn't working for me. And we talked and things have changed and he's not gone that much anymore. But I just, like I said, I have such heartache for people who are in that position who don't have an opportunity, like their other half, their spouse, whatever, is not willing to make a change or is not willing to listen to them and listen to their concerns. And that's really heartbreaking. Right. Well, and it starts with the willingness to have a conversation because we all know change doesn't happen overnight. And especially when you're in a multi-generational family situation, like it's not as easy as just deciding to do things differently the next day. I mean, it can be, but you know, just even because I see this come up even sometimes when people are like, okay, so like I've been doing some of this personal growth work and I'm in therapy and I'm learning so much about myself and blah, 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 blah. Like, how do I make my husband do it too? And I'm like, well, you can't actually make anyone do anything. But the best thing you can do is lead by example, invite into conversation. And, you know, I think one of the best pieces of not even marriage advice, but just like generally communication advice is instead of putting the problem on the other person and be like, you need to fix this. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're hurting me. It's like, okay, us versus the problem. The problem is the current way our time is being spent is not working for our family. I'm drowning. You're doing a lot. I'm doing a lot, but the division of labor is just not working. So like, how can we approach this problem together? And that's where, you know, I think in a lot of these conversations, it's like, okay, you need to fix this. And then again, not to stereotype man versus female, but the other partner is like, well, I don't know how, so I'm just going to keep working harder because that's easier than dealing with hard shit at home, if I'm being honest, which I get that. Like, it's just the willingness to have a conversation. It's the willingness to do something different. And it's at the end of the day, the willingness to, again, reevaluate priorities and making sure your time and focus is being spent appropriately. And yes, of course, we all know that there are seasons where we have to do stuff we maybe don't want to do, whether it's financial strain or something else. But in general, like the more changes that you can make to get closer to the life that you want to live, the better it's going to feel. Like you said, the crops aren't coming with you. If you get to the end of the day and you have worked your tail off for this farm to be sustainable for the next generation and the next generation doesn't even want to speak to you because you were never part of their lives, what was it for? Absolutely. I would have to guess that's at least 51% of the situations in America. (laughs) That's a guess. I guess you could say it's most or I'd say majority. (laughs) A lot. It's a lot. That's a lot of the situations is that relationships get broken up so that the farmer, ranch, whatever can sustain. And I just think that is unhealthy and really sad. And I remember a long time ago, it was like after Urban Meyer left Ohio State or maybe he was there or something like that. I don't know. He has a daughter who like, I shouldn't, I don't, I'm not trying to like verbatim quote, but she wasn't happy that he was at like some volleyball game that her senior night, I'm really butchering this story, but like she was accepting an honor for something. And she told him and she was like, I'm really not interested in your opinion or something because you were never here. Like you weren't here. You don't to be part of this. And I just it's sad to think about how many relationships there are like that in agriculture coined it perfectly. You're doing as much as you can to make this farm or ranch be sustainable for the next generation. And the next generation doesn't want to talk to you. And so that's very sad. And you see that kind of in the generational transfer thing as well. You know, let's wait till the one generation is like 90 before we address how the 70 year old is going to get to take over at one point. Like I just, it's again, it breaks my heart 
for families who don't have those hard conversations. Meaningful conversations are really hard to have, but they are meaningful for a reason. Hard doesn't mean bad. That's something that's come up a lot in masterminds lately is sometimes the things that we really need and the best stuff is on the other side of hard conversations, hard decisions, hard seasons, hard, scary things. But the alternative that that is staying in our comfort zone and our comfort zone is called our comfort zone for a reason. It's cushy. As humans, we would rather stay in the hard that we know than pursue the unfamiliar hard, even if better things are on the other side. So, you know, for anyone that's listening to this, regardless of what you're going through or what you're up against, just know the hard conversations, the hard decisions, the big leaps, like you're never going to be able to predict how they turn out, but it is always worth it. Well, and like the hard can be painful. I kind of equate it to like training for a half marathon because I used to do that a lot. Like it's hard to train for a half marathon. It's hard to run a half marathon and it's literally physically painful to train and do that. But the other side of it, you feel so good that you did it. Like it's better. You can equate that to conversations that need to be had. Like they can be painful. They can bring out big feelings and people can, there could be tears and anger and stuff like that. But if it gets you to a point where more than just one person in the family is happy, like then maybe that's something to look into. If one person is happy in their comfort zone, but their comfort zone causes everybody else to be miserable. That's not a good setup. That's not a sustainable setup. Yeah. So good. So many mic drop moments. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about what you have in the works. What does 2024 look like for you? Oh gosh. I'm still, it's just December. We're, we're in December I know. Right now. trying not to think that far in advance, but we don't have to talk about it. Next question. No, it's okay. <laughs> I am, I'm excited for 2024. I have my books mostly full for the first quarter for public speaking. So that's great to do. I always enjoy going out to conference and things like that and speaking with people just because you hear so many different stories and so many perspectives. And I think that hearing other stories and meeting people widens our eyes even more to like how different we are, but also how similar we are. And so I really enjoy that. So 2024 has a lot of public speaking in it, has I'm sure a lot of freelance writing. Like I don't have my whole year planned out, I'm counting on that to happen as we go, but yeah, excited have some exciting collaborations with some companies promoting agriculture, grazing management, promoting beef in general. And then my acres, I'm on a, I have a, a channel on a streaming service called acres TV, which people can go to watch acres TV.com to see that. But I put two episodes a month. And so that definitely will be a chunk of my time in the coming year. And outside of those, I don't really, don't know much of what's going to happen. You know, outside of full speaking schedule and writing and having a TV show and being a mom and rodeoing and having cows. And <laughs> but it's not full. It's not a full speaking schedule. Just the first quarter is looking full. So that is a hint, folks. If you are looking for a speaker, my books are open for 2024, but I just touched on the work stuff, but there will be family and cattle work and things like that because those are always happening. All good stuff. All good stuff. Before we close out, something I ask every guest on this show is what does personal growth mean to you in this season? Because, well, I think about myself, like how I would have defined what personal growth means to me in 2019 versus 2021 compared to right now, like very different because I have evolved so much. So what does personal growth mean to you? Not necessarily as like a definition, but in your life right now. It definitely looks like 
remembering how my actions and words affect other people, whether that is internally in my home with our daughters and my husband, or whether it is on a podcast like this, or online or public speaking, like words matter. You know, when we have influence in our homes or outside of our homes, that is something to take seriously and handling that influence with the amount of respect. And so working on just making sure that the things that I'm saying are aligning with what I want the outcome to be. I don't want my daughters to have to go through like the mental gymnastics when they are 37 or something like that, of things like that, speaking to them how I want to be spoken to. So Mm. my season right now is a lot of preparing little girls to breathe fire, but not at themselves. Ooh, that's so good. So they don't go through a period of their life where they let society snuff their fire out. Because I went through a period where I made myself... Your purple baby. Speaking of... Audience, this is... You can't see her, but Quincy is on the camera with me. Can you say hello, everybody? everybody hi but I went through a period of my life where I made myself smaller because I thought that let me be more successful and I quieted my voice and that was not good for my mental health and I'm not doing that ever again and I don't want my daughters to ever do it to begin with and so raising them so that they know that they have a voice and they can use it and they don't have to be afraid of their career or whatever they want to do being impacted because they decided to take up space. Man, that's a whole other podcast episode to be continued. I feel very similarly in just the ownership and the responsibility of what it means to bring people up into this world. I love that you said just the mental gymnastics. That's such a a nice way to put, I need therapy. (laughs) Well, I've done that. I'm doing that. Yeah. Just like you said, like having them be so self-assured and who they are and where they fit into the world that the world doesn't have to decide for them. I love that so much. So, okay. If someone wants to learn more about you and see all of the great things you have in store, where can they find you on this wild thing called the internet? Great. So I have the blog, which is how it all started for me was the blog and that's buzzardsbeat.com. So buzzard like the bird s beat.com Facebook page by the same name. My Instagram is at Brandy Buzzard. That's Brandy with an I and Buzzard like the bird. And then, as I mentioned earlier, you can see all behind the scenes of like ranch life and cattle and chopping silage and stuff like that. And my episodes just on AkersTV.com. That is a free streaming service. It's basically like Netflix for agriculture. And it's just all agriculture entertainment. Yeah, all agriculture entertainment all the time. And it is free to sign up and watch. And I... I do each episode about what we're doing on the ranch that day. So one episode was chopping silage. Another episode was weaning calves or something. But in the middle of each episode, my roots go back to ag issues and like how much I like learning about ag issues and how those affect. So in the middle of each episode is like a brief like conversation starter or like maybe thought provoking topic about an ag issue of some kind. So definitely tune into that. And that is at watchacrestv.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today and having this conversation. I know there's so many good things for people to take away and mull over and hopefully implement in their own situation. And if you're listening and something really resonated with you, please take a screenshot of this episode, share on whatever social media platform you like, tag us both. We love to hear 
what you connected with and what impact it might have on you and the people around you. So thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you. Bye guys. See ya. Have I told you today how much I appreciate you? I'd like to imagine this was a meaningful backyard patio kind of chat between friends sipping LaCroix at sunset. If you enjoyed today's show, please take a screenshot to share or forward this episode to a friend. You can also find me at Emily Rushel over on social to continue the conversation. It's truly a joy to hear what tidbits and takeaways made an impact on your day. As always, all links and resources mentioned in today's episode can be found in the show notes listed below or over at emilyrushell.com. Special thanks to my podcast manager, Jill Carr, for the time and love she puts into producing Gathering Growth for this community. What a blessing it is to be on this personal growth journey together. Forever grateful for you.